Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Groundstrong Gym, that's we're in New Jersey, Central Jersey. Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore, I think. Jersey split into four sections. Yeah. You got North, Central, Jersey Shore, South. South. You go four. South is, is <laughs> scary, scary areas. <clears throat> All right. I'm looking forward to I think to it's go time. Yep. Right it's go time. I'm looking right forward eight. to doing this, Ray Jazz. So here we are. Yes. Once again, I mean, this is another day in the office for Ray Jazz and I. So, Ray, you, you, t- you take me through this for the Wrestling Mindset Nation. What do we got, bro? All right, so here we are. We're doing your Wrestling Mindset with Strength and Conditioning. conditioning. Yes. So to start, right, it's important to have goals, right? So why are you in the weight room? Right. Why, why do you need to get strong, Right. What's your goal to be that state champ, to be that national champ? Right. Yes. Everyone's wrestling. Everyone's doing their strength and conditioning. That's right. And everyone's doing their mindset now. Yes. You got to be the total package. Right. It's, so it's like everybody's doing it, but then it's how are you doing it? Right. Yeah. So there's it's like I, I say this. Everybody shoots doubles, but I ain't Jordan Burroughs. Right. <laughs> or, uh, you know, listen, I. If I want to equate it outside of wrestling, the way I say it is this. Um, I've got a driver's license, so do you. But when you go to Florida, you don't enter a NASCAR race and say, I drive. It's the same thing. So it's not just what you do. It's how you do it. It's all the pieces of the puzzle that you mentioned being put together. And then the lifestyle really kind of wraps everything up. And so I've because I've coached at a lot of different levels. So you've been with me at the private level. I've been at Rutgers and Lehigh, which those teams have hovered, you know, in and out of the top 10. Uh, I've seen kids that are multiple time state champs struggle and leave the team. And then I've seen kids that, you know, placed in the States once that were all Americans or were one round away from being all American. And so what happened was some people stopped doing all the right things or maybe the lifestyle was very poor. And then that cancels out 
all your strength and conditioning. It cancels out your wrestling. It cancels out your confidence. Right. And so it's putting everything together. So this is one piece of the puzzle, but I'm also very honest and upfront. And I say, what's the most important thing in wrestling? And guess what I tell them? What is it? Wrestling. Wrestling. Right? <laughs> if you want to be great at wrestling, you've got to be committed to being a competitor. You have to love competing. You have to be coachable and you have to have great wrestling skills. Then, you know, I want to get stronger. I want to get faster. I want to get tougher. But sometimes even doing all that stuff doesn't work enough until I believe in myself. Right. And that's when having a mindset coach is important. So I worked extremely hard in high school, but I did all the wrong things. So that canceled out a lot of stuff. I had a very poor attitude, a poor mindset. I had nobody to teach me anything. They just said, get tough. Right? How that's do you it. get tough? Right? That's the biggest thing. Your yeah. coach always says, oh, you just need to get tougher out there. So, well, what does that mean? Sometimes, I say, that to my, sometimes <laughs> I say that to my own kids. And then I realize it's, it takes a lot of things. It takes somebody to mentor you, teaching you how to look at things differently. But we're going to tackle all things strength and conditioning today. The interesting thing is this, though. You know, being with Wrestling Mindset, the, the wrestlers that train here, it boosts their confidence and that's crucial because if you don't believe in yourself you're not going to win you or you'll only win when you know you, you know right. when it's a guarantee we want to wrestle at a high level every time but when every it really counts time. if you don't believe in yourself you'll probably always lose by a point because you don't believe and so this is a confidence builder right. it's mind and body right okay and the first the, the first thing we like to talk about is uh you know, with anything you do, whenever you set a goal, right? Accountability, buddy. We have a big, big accountability, buddy. It could be your workout partner. It could be a coach. It could be, you know, a relative. Um, in the in the weight room, it could, it could be the guy that spotted you or something. Yeah. Right. You want to be that state champ. Hey, but you missed you missed that lift. Or hey, you missed that set. You didn't touch your chest on that yeah. repetition of the bench press. There you go. So your your accountability partner pushes you for excellence. And that's also when you, uh, sometimes people don't want to train in a group setting because it's uncomfortable. So we've got two locations of the underground and then I coach at a high school. And sometimes kids will tell me, especially when I was first hired there, hey guys, my name's Coach Evanesh. I'm the new strength coach here. And you know, the first two weeks I was there, we didn't have a schedule. So you know how many kids were like, yeah, no thanks, I'm on my own program. And I was like, what? <laughs> then I watched them train and it was like bad technique of benching and then like 45 minutes of curls. And I realized then was that that kid doesn't want to be coached. He doesn't want to get out of his comfort zone. And I can't help you until you want to help yourself, until you meet me and you're coachable. And so having somebody to push you, you're accountable to them. It, it changes things. Even I, when kids come in, I say, what'd you eat for breakfast? All right. This is how we got to change it. What about lunch? We got to change it. What are your goals? Hey, you said your goal is to be a state champ or you want to qualify for states. Are we going to, we're not going to do it skipping breakfast. And so accountability takes you to another level. That's also why sometimes imperfect training or bad training, it, it could get canceled out if you're in a great environment where we push each other to high levels. So Ray is from South Plainfield. And I always say, like, those kids are born and raised together to just to just be hammers. And one guy 
makes the other guy better. It's, you know, iron sharpens iron. It's not just one accountability partner. You've got the team, the coaches, right. parents. The whole program. Yes, yeah. the whole program. So no doubt accountability is huge. And uh, touching on, you know, strength and conditioning is for strength and conditioning. And I see a lot of athletes using that time to cut weight. Uh, and that's a big problem. I mean, I was guilty of it too in high school. Did that one was year that weight. You, yeah. you were like 152 in the summer and then with abs and then you were 120. 120, He'd yeah. come in and he'd say, Zach, turn the heat all the way on. And he had a, he went to school with a weight vest. So I'm going to, I have a lot of wrestling stories that go hand in hand with strength and conditioning. So when you enter the weight room, if, if you're focused on, on cutting weight, now you've taken the focus away from why are we here to get stronger? Strength is an umbrella term. So if we look at it like it's an umbrella or a roof, under that roof, we've got strength, endurance, power, endurance, speed, endurance, absolute strength, which is like your one rep max. Then we've got, you know, explosive power, muscular endurance. We've got building not just the muscles, but the tendons, the ligaments, and kind of overall in injury reduction. We've got conditioning. We could kind of make it a general specific where maybe I take you through six or seven minutes of you know, sleds and carries and calisthenics and kettlebells. So it matches the time frame of a match. But if you come into the gym and you're worried about losing weight, now you've canceled out the, the whole goals to get better. John Smith, I remember saying that the year, his freshman year, he took second in the state. I'm, I believe this, this is, I think 1989, he told me the story or 90. Then he said sophomore year, he took third in the state because he was too busy trying to cut weight. He would go into the gym, into the uh, wrestling room with all the sweatpants on. He said, you go into the wrestling room with shorts and a t-shirt. If you need to lose weight, you do that after practice. You go on the bike, you go running, you get covered up in the sweats. So going into the wrestling room is to get better at wrestling. You know, cut and dry, that's gotta be the focus. Same thing when you're coming in here. You got to show up into the weight room with a goal of getting stronger, tougher, faster, more explosive. And then, of course, I'll say this. If you want to get faster at wrestling, you need to drill faster and wrestle, you know, more. The way you train is the way you're going to compete. So if you're not training hard, it's very hard to compete hard. Some guys, there's outliers. There's a few lazy people in the wrestling room that somehow flip the switch and turn it on, but they don't win the big, big matches or the big, big tournaments, but they might place in the States. You know, right, they might exactly. place in the States. Um, I've seen it. <laughs> There's always an outlier, but that's always like a one in a thousand guy. All right. So showing up into the weight room is a time to get better on the physical. And of course it's, I, I don't say anything's just physical, it's all mind and body connected. Right. And uh, one of the big things we wanted to touch on was uh, training during the different parts of the season. So yes. you have preseason or you know, summer training, preseason, yeah. during the season, and then gearing up for postseason. We kind of have like four times. So preseason. So I'm, we're going to kind of twist this because I'm not sure where everybody's from. Right. So now in New Jersey, no. wrestling normally started at Thanksgiving. Now it's starting March 1st, which is actually when it ends. So normally three months prior, I look at it like a preseason, maybe, maybe even eight to 10 weeks. That's the preseason. That's when, you know, 
I'd say four to six weeks out, I start lowering the volume of work we do in the weight room. A training session might be 45 minutes or 40 minutes instead of an hour because I don't want them going into the wrestling season all like at the absolute best. We want to keep getting better through the end of the season. So we have that preseason. Now we have in-season. Then we have that stage right before the districts, and then hopefully you make it to the regions and the states. So that could be, that's an interesting time if I'm training a group because I've got guys that we know will place, maybe we know yeah, will win. Some that aren't going to the postseason. Some or... that may not make it out of the district. But what I do is, as the season goes on, if it's the private clubs, we tell the guys show up once a week. That's 100% more than zero. But now the other uh, option I have is I work in a high school. And so when last year when I was in the high school, the wrestling coach would bring the team two to three days a week to me because I'm right there. The kids don't have to get in a car, travel anywhere. And we trained. It was it was an interesting. We did like 22 minutes. We I'd get like the uh, JV team and then the varsity team, 20 to 22 minutes each. Um, they came in slightly warmed up because, or very warmed up because they were already wrestling and drilling. And then according to their uh, level of strength, I had some real basic things. I usually had like four exercises and I did two of them back to back. So it might be like a dumbbell clean and press. I would do something like three sets of three with max effort pull-ups. Then after that might be like a farmer walk and dumbbell bench. Dumbbell bench would be what we call sub max. We don't go super heavy in season. We also don't go super light. We're kind of at like a 75% where we're working strength and the power stuff should come from speed drilling. All right. So uh, they'll do like a farmer walk, a kettlebell rack walk, dumbbell carries, and then benching. And so we do these four exercises back to back. Maybe I get some band pull aparts, some hanging leg raises to open up the shoulder. When they're hanging, it's like a shoulder health and a back health movement. So I do what's called optimal training in season. After the season, should we go to after the season? Or yeah, we, we go after, but what stays yeah. consistent the whole time? And that's, we call it the pre-match routine. Is there, there's something similar with strength and conditioning, right? You have us do warm-ups, the band yes. work, yes. right? That stays consistent from the summer all the way to the postseason, right? That rarely changes, It just, right? it goes a little bit shorter in season. Right. So let's say, you know, here you guys can see there's turf in here. If if my wrestlers are coming from practice, um, they've I know they've already done probably modified gymnastics, tumbling, They've done a lot of what we call movement prep. So when they come here, I'm not going to repeat the movement prep and waste their time or their energy. I'm going to do a short warm-up that's focused on kind of preparing the muscles and, and the joints to go through the range of motion. Um, the one things that do remain consistent, Ray has something that we call a mini band. You could pick these up from Westside Barbell. I think they're like 9 or $10. We will do, just show them overhand pull parts, Ray. We do 100 reps every training session, minimum. So we go 10 overhand, 10 underhand, and I sneak it in throughout the training session, and it keeps the shoulders healthy. Here's the other thing. If you're injured, if you're not healthy, then you're limiting your chances of being successful. And then these are dislocators, where we stretch out the chest, the shoulders, and we learn to move through the shoulders. Ray, face that way so they could see that your back is flat. 
um, they actually face like turn to the TV. So they see from uh, the yeah. side, move back a little bit. So the camera sees me <laughs> right there. So what he's not doing is he's not moving through the back. He's just moving through the shoulders. So the band work is a consistent um, exercise we keep in to the warm up. And like Ray said, consistently, you don't get to skip the warm up. If a kid says, I just came from wrestling, I'm warm. Well, it, you probably drove 20 minutes to get here. That's number one. So now you're cooled down, number two. And wrestling is different than actually lifting. When I'm lifting, I might have a bar on my back, so I'm loading my spine. I might be deadlifting, which is a pulling on the spine. I might be squatting or lunging, and now my knees need to get a different kind of warm-up. So we have sleds that will push and pull. We'll do bodyweight squats and lunges or kettlebell squats and lunges, back extensions. So I will specifically prepare them for the movement that they're about to do. So I've basically found that when you try skipping the warm-up, you get tweaked. Something negative comes out from it. So no matter how busy they are, I'd rather shorten the training session than try to eliminate the warm-up. And I think if you're a young coach out there, sometimes you could get influenced by the kids or maybe a, a, a father walks in and he's like, we're in a rush, da, 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 and you think you got to hustle through, then get a good quality warm-up. The warm-up kind of segues into some power and sub-max strength work, and they kind of all, you know, it's like it's, it morphs together. They're not one separated from the other. So the other thing i got to say this too, Ray. You want to know what's the consistent thing with our best wrestlers? They're consistent. End of story. They train year-round. Who are our least successful wrestlers? They only train when it's convenient. Oh, um, I can't train in season. Then they start wrestling. Then they get hurt. Uh, I can't wrestle. So now I'll come and lift. And then they're on again and off again. We call that the roller coaster. You get stronger, faster, more confident, tougher. Then you stop. Then you slowly start to lose it. Then you're warming up and you're looking across and the guy's pretty jacked. And you're like, damn. And I shouldn't have stopped lifting. And now you start second guessing yourself. That's where you don't want to be. If you train once a week, that's 100% more than zero. So at the high school level, at the private club, we say come at least once a week. Some, come, some kids come twice a week. When I was in the college, we trained twice a week. Um, for the starters, if you were a red shirt, usually did a third lift. And then uh, I'm trying to think at the high school that I'm in, because it's so convenient, um, sometimes those kids showed up three days a week. Sometimes the thing holding back certain kids was their strength. They were too weak. And so it was almost more important for them to get stronger so they could become better wrestlers. They were too weak to have, you know, their takedowns who had no power. Their stand-up was just nothing. There was no horsepower behind it. So certain kids, and this happened with football, the kids were so weak, the coach was like, dude, I'm sending them to lift every day. And so... That is kind of like an act of desperation. Why did they have to train every day? Because those kids never did strength work beforehand. So every wrestler, if they don't know what to do, they know to do push-ups and sprints. Those two things right there will have a very positive impact on your overall strength and power.
And, uh, you know, I remember when, when I was training as a, as a middle school kid, right, you always focus on body weight, yep. right, getting the technique right. Yes. And then you graduated into a kettlebell. And then you graduated into a dumbbell. Dumbbells. And then you graduated yeah. into barbells. So you had us do all this natural movement before we even touched It's like going to school. Yeah. It's like going to preschool, then elementary school. And, um, you know, one of the kids, we had some kids in middle school here that went to another gym. And then they came back. And uh, it's interesting. The kids were like, man, this one kid, he was like, oh, Zach never lets us do anything. And by that, what he meant is... Zach doesn't let us put a bar on our back and he doesn't let us deadlift. And there's those, those two exercises right there with a, a back squat with a bar on your back and a deadlift, a trap bar. Not only do you need to be physically ready, but you need an emotional readiness of how to almost like calm down, how to set up the body. It takes time for a, a, an athlete to be coachable for those movements. And the other thing is I don't want to, I don't want a kid, let's say I start deadlifting you in sixth grade. By the time you're a senior, that's seven years of deadlifting. I kind of like utilize what I call a silver bullet. You don't want to throw all the advanced stuff at kids right away. Our middle school kids, you could see like we have a lot of room for movement. You see a lot of medicine balls here. Um, we got the sleds behind us. The sleds are behind us. So the kids are training, you know, it's like Ray said, modified gymnastics, you're moving like an animal, you're mastering your body. And I learned that not just from wrestling and watching gymnasts train, but you know, the biggest lesson to me came when I trained a high school kid, he came to us before college football. He had all the records in the weight room, best squat, best bench, best trap bar deadlift, but he was so out of shape. He couldn't survive preseason practice, summer practice and football. And so a wrestler is of no use if he could uh, lift the most weight but can't make it through a practice. And so you need to wrestle to get your body in wrestling shape. And the one rep max is really unnecessary for most high school kids. The majority of them are not emotionally ready to grind out great technique on a one rep max. It means really nothing. It doesn't do anything. If you bench more than me, you know, if uh, before, you know, if Ray Jazz and I wrestled and then he beats me and then the referee is about to raise his hand and goes, whoa, 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 who benches more? They don't care. <laughs> Nobody cares how much you bench. And uh, I also want to say this, you know, I like to give kind of these extreme examples because people will wonder. So some kids will never lift, but they wrestle so, so much that that's what gets them strong. Because wrestling is lifting weights. I'm just lifting a human. Nice. I'm lifting another body. Now, that being said, that's usually an outlier. Was John Smith big into lifting weights? Not really. But his technique was so above and beyond. His intensity was so above and beyond. And the way he drilled, all that stuff built his strength and power. You know, we look at Jordan Burroughs. He's now doing a different style of strength training now that he's, you know, what we call an older athlete, you know, he's in his early thirties. He's got a lot of mileage on his body from wrestling. So he's changed and adjusted his uh, training methods by getting a great coach. He's working with um, Alex Canelli. They're doing unique things to work these kind of in-between muscles, but you still see him deadlifting, doing landmine presses. He's still doing all the plyometrics that was taught to him by, uh, 
Johnny J Rock, who's the uh, owner of Raw Two Four One Wrestling Club. J Rock taught him all of those plyometrics and that speed work. And they, and guess what else they do? A lot of pull ups. So J Rock helped Jordan get strong and explosive, and helped him become a great wrestler. So it's all pieces of the puzzle getting put together. So another another thing that we have during the action plan is uh, we have something called plyometric training, and you throw that in in between certain lifts, right? Yeah, we do. So plyometric training, the original name was called shock training, the shock method. And it's an advanced form of training. Unfortunately, in wrestling, we're so, you know, old school that, you know, an inexperienced, uneducated coach will have weak kids do jump training, but they're too weak to handle the positions. It, it would be similar to like sending a high school sophomore who's, you know, a first time varsity wrestler to go and practice, you know, Hey, go, go to Rutgers and practice, go to Ryder and practice with division one guys, they'll get killed. And so you need a base foundation of strength before you can do plyometric jump training. So jump training for us gets incorporated as the warm up starts, you know, like uh, moving towards the workout. We also do jump training combined with heavy lifting. That's called the contrast method. It's a great way to train the nervous system. So we might squat heavy, followed by jumping on a box or over hurdles. Um, and then jump training is also, plyometrics is also for the upper body. So if I do clapping push-ups, that is an upper body jump, right? If I jump for lower body, now I'm jumping with the upper body. So today, we, um, I've got the workout up here. We did pause bench coupled with plyo push-ups. If a kid can't do plyo push-ups, we back it down. I say, do your do three push-ups as fast as you can. Right. So we do a heavy push. I'll show them the workout now. Push. Yeah, we could we could move the. Um, yeah, we'll move it over here. Right. Do we gotta take the mic too? Yeah, I could take the mic. Microphone check. Microphone check. You guys hear me? Okay. So Zach always puts the workout on the board here. And right. this is kind of like it's never written in stone. Meaning, you know, this is a software system I use. And so before the software system, I used a whiteboard, which I loved because I could erase and change things on the fly. But I, in my, just from doing this for 25 years in my brain, I know how to change things on the fly in my sleep. So we've got pause bench press, which develops tremendous strength. You have to pause one, two, boom. You have to blast it off your chest. People might say, oh, when do you lay on your back in wrestling? It's not about that. I'm developing pushing and pressing power, hand fighting. Then I go and do explosive push-ups. What does that build? Power under fatigue. Do we need to be explosive while we're fatigued in wrestling? 100%. Then we did speed work with a power clean. I'm talking about 50% of what they normally use, maybe even 40%. We did very low volume here. Three sets of three cleans, then any jumps. They were jumping hurdles, squat jumps, um, skater jumps, all kinds of different jumps, kneeling, jumping to their feet, three by three. Then our finisher was sleds, pull-ups, then they did heavy push-ups, because here they did the uh, clapping push-ups. Some kids did dips instead of push-ups. Um, if you're a big guy and can't do pull-ups, you do a recline row. And then uh, I always say do extra. At the end, you always do extra. Coach Reeves said, 
you finish a workout with 10% in the tank. He goes, then you let the kids do extra. He goes, it doesn't matter if they use machines or anything. He goes, you know why you let them do extra? Because it gives them the confidence that they do extra work. You feel, it's like champion training. And so this is just a sample. This is an upper body focused day, but the power clean makes it a full body day. We do sleds during the warm-up and during every workout, right? You could hold the mic. I could flip this around. Right. You guys could see the sleds. We have multiple sleds. I think I got five different sleds. And um, if you're at my other location, we don't have a large setup. We do the sleds outside. I'll prop this back up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do the sleds outside. I don't care if it's cold outside. We do it. And... You know why I don't care? Because you're gonna be you're gonna be cold for thirty seconds, a minute, right. and you're gonna do three sets. That's it. So those sleds are crucial. So sleds are a consistent thing we do also year round. So what do you tell a lot of wrestlers, right? When they always complain, I don't want to lift legs. I'm afraid I'm gonna get sore before my matches. Yeah, that's a great question. So number one, if a wrestler is afraid of getting sore before the matches, I already question. Well. If you have not been training year round and then you try to introduce weight strength training, a new stimulus in season, it's very bad. Your body's not ready for it. You're at a calorie deficit from eating less and expending more. So you're burning calories twice as fast. Um, you've got the stress of wrestling practice and you've never trained before because you didn't want to do it. And now it's like, oh, I'm going to do it now. It's not that it's too late. You're going to have to do very low volume. But what you need to do is be consistent. You cannot get better unless you're showing up consistently. And if you want to be a great wrestler, you need to do strength work. That There's no two ways about it. You must get stronger. Are there outliers that could get away with it? Absolutely. You and I both know one out of a thousand that are able to stop lifting and still achieve a high level of success, whether it's a state champion, All-American. Um, you know, I was thinking of like Nick Suriano. He's a lightweight. He, he wrestles. I'm not sure what that weight is in the Olympics, but it's like 126, right? Something like that. Well, let's say he just weighs 130. You know, I've seen Nick do weighted pull-ups with uh, 100 pounds. Now, think about that. He's got this pulling strength. If he gets a hold of somebody's leg and it's not perfect position, but if you, that kid is so damn strong that that's where the advantage comes in is he doesn't need it to be perfect position. And in wrestling, things just are never perfect. That's just the way wrestling is. And so you want to be strong in these imperfect positions. So that's also why we use odd objects. But listen, if you're afraid of being sore, welcome to wrestling. You know, everything's going to hurt and we need to work around it. We also need to push recovery. recovery so that might be sauna. That might be taking a nap on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, eating better, foam drinking rolling, more dude. foam rolling yeah. at night, getting massage. I remember when you were a senior, um, one of the kids that was with us, his name was Rosa. He went and got acupuncture uh, like right before the districts. And he's like, I feel like a million bucks. I feel great. He said his uh, neck and shoulders and back were aching him. And he went and got acupuncture done. And so there's a lot of recovery methods that you can do. 
Even um, just hitting your warm up before before practice or matches when you're super sore. Big time, right? The warm up creates blood flow. Blood carries oxygen and nutrients, which boosts recovery. Right. And that's why movement is the best medicine. So whenever somebody's like, "Oh, I'm so sore, I don't want to do it," that's the opposite. You don't want to do nothing. You want to move. You're sore. Do some bodyweight squats, some back extensions, some lunges. Um, I also want to share a little uh, little secret. <laughs> so I remember, so I assess the wrestlers on their like mood when they train. And so I remember at the college level, if the guys came in and they weren't very talkative, they weren't chatting, they weren't laughing, I knew that the warm-up, I had to almost make it like a bodybuilding warm-up to get a pump. So I'd have them like dumbbell bench, 15 reps, dumbbell curl, 15 reps, push downs, 15 reps, then do back extensions. But I wanted to do chest and arms because it started getting them in a good mood. They'd be like, yeah. And then they forgot that they were sore and tired. So I tricked them, you know, I gave them a little Jedi mind trick because what happens is when you get the blood pumping, it releases endorphins. You feel good. When they were like slow like that, I didn't take them through a gymnastics warm up of dive rolls and cartwheels and plyometric training because I knew that if I pushed them, I could hurt them and then they could, or they would feel worse and start resenting me and not believing in the training. And I knew that I, my, the job of the strength coach is to make wrestling better. So I should never take away from the sport. So I always looked at the way their energy levels were. So in season is the most crucial time to train because we want to be our strongest when it's competition time. The, the guys that always fell short, they trained nine months out of the year. They stopped when the season started. That is like the fatal mistake. Right. And that's, that's a big thing that I see a lot of, a lot of wrestlers, especially high school and, and sometimes college, they think once that season starts, that's it. Right. They, they can't get better. They can't get a tech. They, they can't get their technique better. They think cutting away is the and answer. That's when we trained the, at the college level, we trained the hardest in season because now you have this like upcoming goal every weekend. You've got one or two matches at the college level, you know, with high school now with this COVID, they're going to wrestle in New Jersey. It's twice a week. Um, so normally right now, you know, we're like in almost, sea, almost, we're in the yeah. heat of the season. So now they're going to have a very short season. Um, I know, you know, we've got friends from all over the country. So wrestling has started yeah. at different times, but our college guys, when I was at Lehigh and Rutgers in season, I remember saying to myself like, man, somebody asked me, how do they have all the energy? It's because you're so fired up to compete on the weekend or whenever the matches are, depending on what conference you're in. And so uh, starters trained twice a week. The, you know, we probably don't have too many, I'm not sure how many division one coaches we have, but it was our fifth year seniors that needed the adjustments to training. But it was the other, the other guys, everybody else was like skyrocket with energy. Right, and that's, that's the thing that I noticed with, with you training a lot of the college guys and everything, knowing each individual wrestler yeah. and what they needed, how they need to adjust, right? Because those fifth-year seniors, man, that some of them are mid-20s now. Yeah. And then you have a 19-year-old freshman. Totally Clearly, different. they can't kind of have the same training schedule, they right? Really, they, know, they need something They really else. shouldn't. And, you know, uh, not in my defense, but at both colleges I was at, I was not full-time. I was just with wrestling. And so – 
you know, at eight and 9 a.m., a fifth-year senior, that's not really good for him. A fifth-year senior has a lot of mileage on his body from wrestling hard. He needs to sleep in. He needs to do maybe like a short lift around lunchtime or maybe a quick one right before or right after, depending on what he feels. But 8 or 9 a.m. for a fifth-year senior is sleeping, recovery time. And so uh, that's food for thought for any Division I uh, wrestling coaches out there or the Division I strength coaches is your fifth-year senior. This is how we explain in wrestling. Our bodies age in dog years, okay? <laughs> so if the kid is 23 years old, you know, times uh, seven, his body is really like 140 years old. So that kid, I'll give you an example. You know, I'm not going to mention names, but our, our mutual friend, um, what I would have done with him if I, if I could have been there is he would have finished practice and I would have said, all right, let's get five rounds of dips and pull-ups, you know, sub-max pull-ups, sub-max dips. Let's go five rounds back and forth. And then maybe another day of the week, I would say, let's get a total of 10 deadlifts. We could do 10 sets of one, five sets of two. We could go four, three, three, but let's just do, let's just feel like a heavy weight in the hands. And that's it. Because once you're in your mid twenties and you've been probably wrestling, let's just say at least since high school and you're a fifth year senior, we're talking nine, 10 years of wrestling. What did I say before? Wrestling is lifting. So they've got, that's why wrestlers are strong. You know, they don't, they are lifting year round a body. So I really take into account where they're at. You're not going to have that problem with a high school kid. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you that now a high school kid is still, he needs to move the weight. You know, their hormones haven't kicked in when you're 18 versus 22, your strength is way different at age 22. You have a completely different type of That's strength. That's the same thing with 18 year olds and like, you know, fresh freshmen in high school too, right? Those 18 year olds, man. It's like a, man. 13, like a 106 pounder compared to a heavyweight. Yeah. <laughs> Trying yeah. to train them. That's different too. That's right. right. Training. Let's say, should we get into, um, so it's 837. We will do questions soon. Uh, do you, we should take, Let's we take should some, take some questions. So the, the one thing I want to touch on is, uh, yeah, we got some good questions. We got some on here too. Um, but we'll, we'll start with this one because these are the people that signed up. But the one thing I wanted to touch on is it was something Sal Plainfield was big on, right? So sometimes you had the starters and then you had the backups, right? Mm -hmm. And I noticed, especially in college, it's like some of those backups were all right taking the, the back seat, right? They didn't care about the lift. They didn't care about practice. Big time. But those backups, they really mold the program. And my coach, Coach McCann, made that clear. He goes, there's going to be a time where we're going to need you. You shouldn't be – you should be training to get that starting spot. No one's spot is safe. I like that. Right? If you're and always ready, you never have you to never get, have to get ready. ready. Injuries can happen, right? Um, it happened a couple times while I was in college where guys weren't ready. So we had a forfeit away class in the postseason because the yeah. backups just called it a season. Uh, I, so uh, I think it's, it's very important to keep your whole team engaged, right? It's creating the culture. And that culture could be created not only in the practice room, but in the weight room, too. What's, what's tough, though, is the unfortunate truth, Ray, and to our friends listening, is some people don't want it. They're just happy being part being of the part team. Of it. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to compete in front of a crowd. It's, it's just too much. They don't want to have to make the weight, but they like wrestling. They still love wrestling. They want to be a training partner. But they're not going to be, you know, uh, there's a, uh, 
man, I'm going to mess it up, but the ultimate yeah. warrior said it. And um, it's like a Greek, um, you know, one of the one of the warriors. It's something like, you know, out of 100 men, 90 shouldn't even be there. And then out of the 10, you know, nine of them are like fighting the battle. But then the one, he's the warrior. He's the one that's putting it all out on the line. But like out of 100, it's like 90 shouldn't even be there. They're just targets. And I, I remember being at Lehigh, watching a practice. And, uh, you know, I mentioned like this one kid was just getting crushed. And Coach Antoro was like, yeah, that kid's never going to start. But we need him on this team. We need him to be a training partner. And he said, and he knows that. And I was like, what? That kid knows he'll never start. And you do. You get to that high Division One level where you have kids at such a high level. And you have other kids that are just happy to be part of the fraternity. I am. I don't like being there. That would be like me saying with my business, you know, people were saying, oh, if you survived, if your business survived during COVID, that's a victory. I'm like, dude, I'm, surviving to me is not victory. I want to thrive. I want to dominate. I don't want to be like the top 10 strength and conditioning facility. I want to be the best. And I, I think you have to hate losing. And the rock said, he goes, you got to be pissed off for greatness. Right. And you need, you need some of that inside of you where you, you just love the, the fire. Um, and, get, and I'll tell you what, the, the backups have to be ready. And sometimes, like you said, they're not ready because they're just happy to be part of the team. I think, I don't know how to like, you guys would probably know more of that with the mindset. Well, yeah, I think the, the, the one thing we focus on is your purpose, right? Your purpose should be more important than your goal. Right, you have your goal, but the why you want to achieve it is Dude, even more important. Gabe Dean was telling me uh, we did a podcast together for Spartan Up. I think you may have been listening, and he was struggling. It may have been his freshman year at Cornell, and he—I think he was like talking to his dad. He's like, "I'm going to quit the team. I don't even know why I'm doing this." And his dad goes, "That's your problem right there. You don't even know why you're wrestling anymore. If you don't know why you're doing it, there's no." There's no deeper meaning behind it. And so for me, even with like lifting now, it has a deep meaning. I think about like being a strong dad and being able to protect my family and also have like keeping that wrestler edge. I've always took a lot of pride in that because I think it's something special. But if you don't know why you're doing something, uh, you're going to struggle to have the energy when the times are tough, right. right? What do they say? Motivation comes and goes. It's not right. always there. I'm not always motivated, but you show up. How, how do you show up when the chips are down? This stuff might go way over a kid's head who's 16, you know, but I think you got to try to, uh, you know, absorb it and, right. and, and make it, uh, make it make something, it make it stick and make it something that it's got to mean yeah. something. Building too. the culture. So with, with any high school program or middle school or even college, that has culture's that, huge. the culture is huge. And just explaining what the purpose is, you know, you guys can have team goals, but make it make it important to for, for uh, your wrestlers to have their why. Culture is everything. All right, let's let's go through some of these questions right here. Um, you already did the harness and bridge very bridge very yeah. next next strength. Um, but the next strength we just said was just from a lot of wrestling and yeah. Uh, I don't feel like you got to get so crazy on neck work if you're wrestling. Now I think if we have you know guys in other sports. But in wrestling, 
I'm getting my neck work from every angle. It's just, it's what happens through practicing. You know, look, Josh Sedlitz trying to see how many times you could take me down. Guys, <laughs> it doesn't even count. I'm 45 now. <laughs> I could tech thin him. First period. Exactly. Well, the difference in training as a pro compared to training when I was wrestling collegiately. Well, right now it's all it's all show. It's not go. <laughs> well, what, what's interesting with that though is your practice right. is plyometrics and athleticism. Yeah. He's flipping. He's jumping. He's diving. That's the stuff we always did in warm-ups. Right. When we trained at our Edison gym, we didn't have turf, but we utilized the grass in front of the gym next door, and the guys did cartwheels, partner hand walk. We would do, like, piggyback races. We did a lot of sprinting. And so there's always an element of athleticism. So now that you're in pro wrestling, like, you could do these bodybuilding workouts. Yeah, but I always still do yours because, I mean, your training it prepared you for life. That's what it is. Yeah, you know, it trains you to get strong and it's and helps you build a recovery. So, but I think the older you get, then training, you know, you're now quote unquote older, right? You're in like a different phase of training, <laughs> but your sport, crisis, your right? sport is uh, all yeah, athletic based. Yeah, yeah. All right, how do you build a winning culture that embraces old school values and new school methodologies? On this day and age, yeah. In this day and age, so you know, that's a good one for you. There's a lot of um, in the strength and conditioning field. There's a lot of talk of the art of coaching, and so you know, years ago, I was very kind of one-sided. This is what we're doing. This is how we do it. If you don't do it, get out. I was very much like that. Now it's not odd for me to say, for example, Monday and Tuesday we had box squats. Anybody here not want a box squat? Does anybody here want to squat without the box? So I give them an option. So I give kids more freedom than ever before because now they feel like, I think they feel like you care. Like, oh, he only wants to do it this way. Um, being a dad has definitely changed that. And I also tell all of the kids is I say, whatever I tell you to do, I would, it's no different than what I would tell my own kids. You know, there's no special treatment, you know, because they're my kids and you're not and vice versa. So I think giving them some freedom, giving them some opportunities to create workouts. Dude, there's times where like I say to myself, I did it like, I don't know, two months ago we did it. I remember I was like, man, I'm so tired of telling them how to do this warm up. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to let them create their own warm up. So I let them create their own warm up. They went nuts. It was the best warm up ever. <laughs> they were doing buddy carries. I mean, we had, they did buddy carries and it was like, you know, COVID September time. People hadn't given done a handshake in half a year. They started carrying each other, hand walking. They started doing a medicine ball, you know, tag, pegging each other. They went ballistic. Then I said, you know what? Create your own workout. Here's, here's the marker, go to the whiteboard. Each person you know, comes up with an exercise. Everybody's got to agree upon it. If it's not a good exercise for you, you know, you're a high school kid versus middle school, you need to have like the plan B for the middle school kid. And so give them freedom to teach their stuff, to demonstrate their stuff um, and listen to them, you know, get feedback from them individually. It's interesting is that some of the college kids come back now to train with me and we have a better relationship than when I was with them. You know, my, my last college coaching position was at Rutgers th two, three years ago. And so they're like, it's so interesting that we're like, get along better. I go, yeah, because 
I've evolved as a coach. Like I was maybe so intense at that time that I didn't give them, you know, room to budge and, you know, give me feedback. Although some of them would do things like, you know, I'm not going to mention names, but some guys would, you know, text me the night before the morning of and just say, coach, I, I feel like I got to work on power. Can we include, you know, some speed work tomorrow? Absolutely. That's when things, you know, you need the captain of the ship who's, you know, keeping things in gear, but you also need, you know, the sailors to be giving input. And I think that's how things are today. And then with regards to old school, here's, here's the, I, I put it on them. I say, train as hard as you want to win. You know, if I stand back against the wall, I could see who's working. That's the thing about um, sports versus strength and conditioning. If I go watch somebody wrestle, I don't really know your work ethic. I could just see how talented you are on the mat. You might be a lazy ass in the room, but in the weight room, you can't hide the laziness, you know? Or I say, guys, I'm gonna shut off the radio for a few minutes and if I hear weights clanging or I hear your lips chattering, we know who's doing what. And so you gotta give them some uh, responsibility. Oh, this is this was a good one here. Right. Oh, that's oh no. Is this somebody who's signed up or no? The buy-in? Let me see. What are the best ways to establish a buy-in with wrestling coaches who are still hesitant to have yeah. their athletes lift heavy because it's bad for your knees and bad for your back? That was a good one. Yeah, said. that's a good that's a good question. So the things that are bad for your knees and bad for your back is being weak because now your joints, your tendons, your ligaments, the connective tissue are not strong because you haven't done resistance work. Progressive resistance strength training strengthens tendons and ligaments, okay? So uh, wrestling is extremely tough on the body. And so strength and conditioning is like a safety. It's a preemptive thing we do to reduce injuries. I never say eliminate injuries because there's no such thing. I mean, it's only a matter of when you're gonna, you know, it's not if you're gonna get hurt, it's when you're gonna get hurt. So if a coach cares about his wrestlers succeeding, then they need to get stronger, faster and tougher. Um, but a coach has to be open-minded, just like a kid has to be coachable. So I've very rarely had sport coaches come to any of my gyms, very, very rarely. I mean, since I could, in 20 years, I could put their hands, the amount on one hand. That's how few have shown up. And you have an open door to policy learn. too, right? You want to come, you want to come and train, you want to come and watch, bring it. Because for me, everything's very like black and white. What's best for the kids? That's what I'm doing, period, end of story. So when a coach doesn't want his kids lifting or I want them to lift with me, that's, listen, kids got to go with where the expert is. So how do you get buy-in? Just say, coach, you know, I've got Ray Jazz training with me. He's on your team. I reach out and I say, what do you think he needs to work on? What's the best way for me to help him to help you? Let me know anybody else you need help with. So I ask them for their input first versus being like, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm the expert over here. And so if you've listened to kind of the other question I answered as well, you see that I take the input from people. And I, I used to really, you know what I loved when I was at the college level, I'd go up into the office and talk with the wrestling coaches. We would just talk about what this kid needs to work on. 
uh, emotionally, mentally, and how I could tweak that with the physical training. I used to love doing that stuff. You know, that's why I loved being at the matches because the match was like the truth teller. Okay. The match would show this kid breaks down when he's not, you know, when he gets tired. Okay. I got to do some, some circuit work to get this kid to push through when he's tired. Right. All right. So, uh, talk about my experience with both Zach at underground and wrestling mindset and how they both reinforce one another and help me become an all American. So yeah, when I was a kid, I started with Zach, maybe uh, seventh grade, seventh grade. Seventh grade. Seventh grade, and he was a huge part of it. So was wrestling mindset. They they stepped in my senior year in high school, and both you guys kind of reinforced the same thing, like mindset and just being mentally tough, right? Um, and they both complemented each other, right? The, the weight room, like you yeah. said, you can't hide your work ethic in the weight room, yeah. and that transitioned into the wrestling mat. And, uh, you know, they do go hand in hand, especially what you do with other coaches. We call that the, the white belt mentality, always willing to learn from always. other people yeah. and, and everything. And now that I, you know, I'm older now, I'm 25, and me being a coach now, I'm getting, you know, I'm a, I'm a product of all my coaches, right? I'm a product of you. I'm a product of the Zanettis. I'm a product of the Wrestling Mindset program. And it's cool to see how everything that – that we say in our program is the same thing that you enforce in your athletes, you know, then now, and probably in the future you could too. I find that if you went into a whole nother industry, like success leaves clues. It's like what successful people are doing in, in a, in sports, you'll find it happening in business, in technology, in food, you right. name it. There's always those kind of, like you said, consistent carryovers. Yeah. Yeah. So, let me see. I think consistency, right? It's like the, you the, never stop training. That's it. You're consistent. Once once you once you have a good habit, keep it because it, it just takes like that to form a bad habit. You, and I tell a lot of my athletes, it's like you make weight. Once you miss weight once, you're most likely going to miss it again and dude, again and big, again yeah. and again. You know again. what I'm thinking now too? So I've known you for half your life. You were like 12 and a half when you started. Whenever Ray had a break from college or just would visit for the weekend you were like went straight to the underground this is my this was the first place even yeah. now if i had a long trip or something a long whatever i would come yeah. here i'd yeah. come here first so just to clear my mind consistency you can't you know you can't get better without it you got to keep showing up and not every day is going to be great right not everybody's getting every day is going to be awesome but showing up is 100% more than zero. Yeah, and, and you know, same thing how they reinforce each other. A lot of it had to do with my action plan, right? Everyone in the country, you know, was training hard, doing the technique. But what set me apart was my mindset, you know, on and off the mat, right? My character and my, my beliefs and, you know, my training was not just in that wrestling room or in the weight room. It was everywhere. Your lifestyle. My lifestyle, like you said, Champion right? It's, it's, it's what you do hard. It's not just in the weight room it's you know you know making your bed or putting the, something as simple as putting I, the toilet seat down yeah, you got to be a champion in you life put the toilet seat down i noticed that yeah you know, yeah <laughs> you, you want to know what's also uh it's like maybe a little bit weird but when i when i go to a hotel i make my bed <laughs> i still make my bed because i don't want like the maid to come in and just be like oh lazy that guy's lazy i, I make my bed when i'm at a hotel it's a little bit it's a little yeah. bit weird, but mindset and mindset and, and strength and conditions for life. So this uh, that lit you wanted to pick a question. When you 
That's a when would you recommend doing the cardio? When would you recommend doing cardio and endurance training off-season. during the off season? Would you recommend doing separate dedicated cardio days or do you think it's better to integrate cardio into lifting? That's a good one. I like that question. So I'm going to give you a few answers here. So in the off season, it depends. Like a lot of the serious wrestlers that we work with, they go to a club, they train year round. So that is their cardio. I'm not trying to get their cardio at some crazy high level at all times. You can't maintain the highest levels all the time. You have to have some ebbs and flows to it. So our strength training, even when I say strength, strength and conditioning, it's such a, you know, it sounds limited, strength and conditioning. What we're doing is we do a lot of uh, supersets, two exercises together. So you saw when I went over the workout, they were uh, benching coupled with explosive push-ups. In one of the groups today, the five o'clock group, we had large groups. So when they're waiting, it's kind of like no good. They start talking too much. So I said, all right, you get your bench, you do your explosive push-ups, then you go do your bands, then you jump rope for 50 speed reps. So I sneak in these little activities to keep the heart rate going while also doing strength and power work. Then they're doing power cleans with jumps. They're working at a fast pace. They're not resting a lot. That gets the heart rate pumping. That's a different kind of cardio effect than running, which is, you know, steady state. Then the finisher, sleds, carries, calisthenics, even arm work, it gets the heart rate going while also working strength, while also building muscle, while also uh, building muscular endurance. And then there are times where, you know, we go and do sprints. We do a lot of what's called like repeated bouts of explosive activity to build power endurance. So in the off season, your workout should be at a pretty good pace, but I, I want to encourage you to play the long game. Don't try to be in your best shape when it, in the off season. In the off season, you need to have a little bit of uh, extra body weight. It helps you get stronger. It helps, you know, lubricate and give cushion to the joints. And so your conditioning shouldn't be at your all-time best in the off season. It should be at your all-time best when you're going into the postseason, the competition period where you're just crushing it. And, you know, from a uh, strength standpoint, our workouts, our training sessions get very short when we approach that competition time. So I remember when I was at Lehigh, let's say they were flying out to nationals on Wednesday. I remember I lifted with the guys on Monday and coach Santoro was like, Zach, do your power workout with them, but you got to show up. I was like, should we give them a week off from lifting? He's like, it's, it's too much mental. He's like, if they don't get that lift on Monday, it might mess them up and they'll second guess themselves. So we did like a quick warm up in the weight room. I think we did like three sets of five dumbbell bench with three sets of five dumbbell row. Then we may have done like some, uh, you know, uh, explosive pull-ups, like low reps, five, five reps of pull-ups, five reps of clapping push-ups, maybe one or two hard sets of curls and extensions, some med ball throws. They jumped the, uh, they had like a stairway, like plyo jumps. They were done in like 22 minutes. Boom, done, recover. And, um, you know, that being said, what happens to a kid who trains too much? I remember seeing some of these fifth year seniors and I saw them dragging during the warm up or in between like 
in between their, their lifting, they would sit down. And that to me is like a red flag. That, that kid's run down. So I remember seeing a kid, he was dragging. I said, I walked up to him and I said, listen, don't add weight to the bar. Use that weight the whole time. Just do speed work. When you're done with this exercise, go shower, go eat and go take a nap. And they were like, you sure coach? I was like, dude, I need you to just bang this out and get out of here. Preferably when they're run down, I would just say sleep in because sleep makes them feel better. So, you know, uh, what I, I will, sh I don't well, like that's, to that's for select athletes. Like, you know, the ones that are really training right. hard. If you're really training yeah. hard and your body starts don't, getting Don't run let down, them use an excuse like, oh, coach told me I could, I could sleep in. Right. That's yeah. really gotta be because you know your body, you start feeling your body is run down. Like I've seen it in my own kids. Right. You know, my daughter is a tennis player. Sometimes tennis training is four hours, multiple times a week. So if I see them run down and I'm afraid they're going to get like a little flu bug or something, the next day we let them sleep in. Right. The, just to go off the, the mindset thing, um, you know, we, we have this thing called a practice time player where you can be training hard as, as hard as you want in the weight room in the, oh. in the wrestling match oh, yeah. or in the wrestling room, but that needs to transfer over into the matches. And that was the big thing that wrestling mindset and actually, you know, Jeff Zanetti helped me out with a lot was unlocking my work ethic in the practice room and letting it, you know, be shown in my matches, right? Don't be the state champ of the practice Don't room. Don't be the state champ I of the practice room. I could beat everybody in the yeah. practice room. So the, the, the best, the, one of the best lessons that he always told me was, hey, you know, you, you, the work is in the bank, you know, you practice hard, you, you put in all this work in, in the weight room and in the wrestling mat. These matches are your time to, you know, let it all show off, mm -hmm. right? Shine. Let the reward come. The reward is the competition. Yes. I remember, you know, Gene and Jeff saying, what you don't want to say is like, this is the big match. Right. Uh, no, like just another day at the office. It's another, you've yeah. been, you've been doing this. Now you just got to show up and do it again. And so uh, I utilize those lessons with my daughter, with tennis, because tennis is like wrestling. It's one against one. It's this kind of grinding out these, these matches. And uh, this is what I say to my daughter. I go, have fun. And do your best. Do what you always do. You've done all the work. You're lifting with daddy. You're doing all the skills. Nobody's working harder than you. Have fun. Right. Go for it. You're ready right. to do this. Versus like, you have to win now. This is the time. Like, then it, it, it makes you crazy. And you know, I'm going to say what a, a Division One college coach said to me. He said, we are only recruiting kids who love to compete. Kids who love to wrestle. Not kids who just love to train. Because they've seen that. They love to train. They're lifting the most in the right. weight room. But then when it's time to battle, they got no guts because they're like, eh, you know, they, right. they're, so you have to want to take that work and reward yourself and have fun competing. You know, you think about a guy like uh, Darren Caldwell, when he competed, you know, he's throwing headlocks, he's throwing cradles from far side. Like he was having fun with it. He was going for it. That's what you want. You want to open up. You know, you got to let it fly. Let, let it, it fly. fly. <laughs> it's like being, it's like being, you know, you're driving a sport car, but you're always doing the speed. We call, it, the e we call it driving with the e-brake. One of our mindset right. lessons is you're it's right. like some of these matches guys feel like they're, they're driving with the e-brake on. They're holding back. Yes. Right. And their matches. Sometimes you see that, you know, in the state finals, maybe the, the semifinals, maybe in the blood rounds. Yeah. And that comes from not trusting in your training being hesitant and, uh, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a big one of the big mindset red flags we have, and that that just comes like from trusting your training, driving with the e-brake on, right? And it's it's putting matches on the pedestal. And I was big with that in high school. I was always looking at the rankings. Oh man, I'm second in the state, and I was always putting the regions, the districts, you know, the, the national tournament, everything on a pedestal. When at the end of the day, it was just another match, right? Another it's just match. another tournament. So once once you get in the mindset of it's just another day in the office. It's just another opportunity to compete. You know, it, you're doing this because you love it and, and you love to compete. One of the best college wrestlers out around, I don't know, Wheat's rankings came up and he's like, yeah, that don't matter. Yeah, that's, that's it. it that's the rankings is just a bunch of coaches that just sit and yeah. they just pick it. And a lot of them are biased. I remember Division Three. Uh, not uh, not to get heat or anything. The Augsburg AD was the ones the one that put together the rankings and put together where the regions were for the national tournament. Yeah. So guess who always got the rankings? Those guys. The, the Augsburg guys. They, they were ranked number one, right? <laughs> they were ranked one or two. Them in Warburg. But you know, no heat on them. If if they won the national tournament, there you go. But the rankings, it, it what all what it comes down to is you know what you get at the end of the day at that national yeah. tournament. And one of the big yeah. lessons that Jeff or uh, wrestling mindset gave me was at that national tournament, my last tournament of my college wrestling career, you know, he said, you put all the work that you could, you did everything that you possibly could to try to achieve your goal. So at the end of the day, whether you do it or not, you still have the opportunity to, Yeah. and that's the most important. And that's, that's very, I could have there. used wrestling mindset when I was in high school, except <laughs> I, I'm older than the Zanetti brothers it's too late. I need, <laughs> the, I need the time machine to, to take yeah. me back. So, Let's try to close out if we got another all final right, question right, here. And maybe Thank I give like a final strength and conditioning piece of advice. In the weight room DNA pushing the unified. Guys, we might be we might be doing this um, every once in a while now. What are your biggest keys to creating your weight room DNA and pushing the unified mindset in the athletes? Uh, that's more like the purpose and goal thing. I also think just you got to listen. When I train athletes in the weight room, it's like a weightlifting party. We pump the music. We have fun. Uh, but I also, you know, I want excellence with technique, with safety, with effort, um, with being competitive against one another, with supporting one another. It's the culture is crucial. You got to make it fun. Oh, the one with weight classes. Yeah. So use the season like it's such an old school mentality that kids, they, they'll get better if they cut weight. Why don't they grow into that weight class? I, you know? My preference is that you should be able to eat three meals a day uh, during the season. Maybe on match day, you're watching it a little bit more carefully. But I don't agree with, there's a lot of lighter wrestlers who are basically, they don't want to lift because they're like, you know what? I'll be 18 years old wrestling 106. I have a couple more questions. So one with younger kids' confidence. Why are they afraid on the mat? Same thing. Just just reinforce that uh, it's just another way to compete. The, the the example I use is, especially with kids, it's they're not afraid when they play their friends in video games, right? Like Madden. I tell them you're not you're not you're not scared to play your friend in a game of Madden, right? So wrestling wrestling should be no difference. They gotta they gotta know that if when they lose these younger kids, that you know. Mom and dad still love them. You hug them. And that's, I think, the tough thing is, you know, Louis Simmons of Westside Barbell says, you know, if you're afraid to fail, you'll never succeed because you'll never put yourself out there. Right. How and do you know what to work on? What's the point of having a coach, going to practice, 
Or even going to school if you have nothing to learn. It's part, it's part of wrestling. <laughs> part of the process. Everybody's going to lose, including the national awesome. champs, including the gold medal of the Olympics is going to lose. Yeah. What age would be good to introduce my son to wrestling or uh, strength and conditioning? Okay. His son's only seven months old, but uh, that's a good question. What, what, what age do you think? Yeah, I like that. So I think that wrestling, I've seen, you know, being part of like recreation programs, sometimes the first and second graders, they're kind of too young to mm -hmm. figure it out. Does that mean it never happens? I mean, you and I have seen a million kids do it at that age, but I think I, what I would do, so my son started wrestling in, I think he was in second grade. I actually didn't want him to. My wife wanted to get him involved. And so he wrestled, but he also played baseball. We got him involved with basketball, soccer, swimming, surfing, you name it. It's like the multiple, uh, all the different, the multifaceted approach is the best thing. I don't like strength and conditioning in an organized setting until a kid is maybe 12 years old and he's got to be emotionally ready. Some kids are not emotionally ready to be in a structured environment. So once in a blue moon, we have a kid that is not coachable. And I chat with the parents and say, let's revisit in a year from now. And here and there, a kid comes back ready to go. If I would have had it my way with my son wrestling, I think <clears throat> playing multiple sports <clears throat> and maybe getting involved somewhere around that like fourth, fifth grade time. But, you know, in, in Russia, what they do is, or these Eastern European they put kids in sports according to their body structure, not so much what the father sport played. And also, if you look on my Instagram, I, I repost videos sometimes from this wrestling club in Georgia, you know, out in Russia. And so they've got very young kids doing very aggressive training, but that's normal for them. You know, they live, their backyard is a mountain. So every day they're sprinting the mountain. Every day they're dealing with like harsh weather conditions. Those kids are, are tough. And I, I think our kids have a different, we're in a different world. So we've got to introduce them to things. I would also do other things like gymnastics, judo. So we learn throws. Right. Um, you could do jujitsu. You know, John Paz was, was a very um, high level jujitsu competitor. And he also did judo. So I think all of those things helped his athleticism. All right, I got a lot of, um, we'll, we'll answer a couple more and then uh, we'll, we'll close it out. Uh, we kind of went longer than we do, but hey, that's what we do, right? We're going to rock the house. Credit. Uh, I, I had credit. one on, um, you know, packing on muscle, right? If you're a young kid, you got to eat. You got to get that protein. And I'm not saying, we're not saying, when, when we say eat a lot, we're not saying eating crappy food like McDonald's or, you know, all that other crap. We're talking, you know, steak, chicken, eggs, right? Those eggs, those good carbs. Pasta, you yep. can't say you want to put on muscle when you're not eating breakfast, right? All the time. Right? I don't have time. Then you don't Fine. want it. Yeah, wake up early. It's a, it, 10 minutes Have the early. mindset to get up, you know? So here's, you know, we, every few years, I get an eighth grader who weighs 83 pounds, who's now 25 pounds under the weight class. And then that's a kid that I'll tell the parents, listen, he has to go to McDonald's. He has to go and get a milkshake because he's weighs 83. The weight class is 106. It becomes 108. Oftentimes that kid ends up kind of doing like a repeat year of eighth grade. But, you know, there's a genetic factor of why some kids are smaller or bigger, but then it is eating. You know, if you're not, if you're struggling to gain size and strength, 
and you're not making progress, the nutrition, I could see it a mile away. You kind of like hit a wall. I remember one of the kids, he may have been same grade as you. He, very hard worker, high level wrestler, kind of hit a wall, he stalled out. And then all of a sudden I saw him like gain size, like his neck got big, gained like 10 pounds. He's like, yeah, he started going to our nutritionist friend. He goes, all I started doing was adding two baked potatoes a day. He's like, so I have two baked potatoes and I kind of eat them throughout the day. And he's like, I needed more carbohydrates. So you need breakfast, lunch, and after school, then dinner, then again at night. So you always get breakfast, lunch, dinner, nice meal after school, and something again at night. Right, and that, that goes with the rest of the mindset, with the action plan, right? Um, and, and just holding yourself accountable and having goals. So your goal is to be a state champ at this weight class. Well, my short-term goal today to get me to that, because you can't win a state title today, right? That's in March. So how, what can you do today to get you closer brick to that goal? Brick by brick. Brick right? by brick. And that's making yep. sure your diet's in line, making sure you're going to practice, making sure you're getting that extra work of technique and all that stuff. So I think that wraps this up. I have one more – a couple of uh, questions where, where they can join your gym, where they can get your book. Yes. Right, where they could find your newsletter. I put that all in the email, nice. but just to reiterate. Um, right? Undergroundstrengthgym.com. And if you are not in New Jersey, you go to undergroundstrengthcoach.com, which I started uh, February of 2005. So that's 16 years ago. We've got so many training sessions on video, hundreds of hundreds of workouts, training programs. (laughs) Yeah. Everything is in there. So if you're a coach or a father and you want to learn the methods and start plugging them in, um, undergroundstrengthcoach.com. That's what we call the underground strength Academy. And then you could Google me. I'm pretty easy to find on YouTube and Instagram and all that. The encyclopedia of underground strength, the book, you see, see me running around. That's right. Great jazz. Great jazz is in that book. Uh, that book is sold through Dragon Door, Encyclopedia of Underground Strength and Conditioning. It was just on Amazon. They had like 20 copies and it was gone in like a day. All right, guys. Tough to find. You can, you can follow Zach on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Yes. Ray, Ray underscore Jazz and also Wrestle Mindset. I can't stress enough how much, you know, Zach has changed my life and also Wrestle Mindset. They both came hand in hand. I on- needed this when I was in high school. <laughs> I needed a strength coach and mindset. Right. And I, I can't reiterate more how much, you know, both of these programs mean to me. Um, and it, and it, is, it is a product of who I am today. And uh, I'm, proud of, I'm proud of you. And um, I always, I always, Ray Jazz is the I couldn't, I couldn't have done mom, it. Bro. I couldn't have done it without, you know, Zach and the Zanetti. So, you know, sign up, wrestlemindset.com. We have a free trial. Um, tr- you know, I, I'm telling you, especially now, it's very important to be strong, not only physically, but mentally. You know, especially now, I, I've seen so many athletes and and people just making so many excuses now. It's and bad. now is the time to step it up more than ever. All right, it's not a time to give up. It's a time to keep on pushing and uh, you know be more 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 pissed off for greatness now than ever. Right? This is you know opportunity is always knocking, and now it's about who's going to answer the door. Right. And um, I'm going to say this. You know, as a dad, as a father, you have to if you want your kid to be great. You're going to have to invest in them. It takes time. And then it's a financial investment. These coaches, you know, I always tell other parents, I go, you're investing in your kid with me. I don't take that lightly. Um, But these opportunities for our kids, you know, 
these things are super important if you want to help your kid, you know, succeed. I always say, like, uh, dads always say, they're like, man, if this gym was around when I was a kid, I was like, right. I say the same thing because I <laughs> trained the wrong way and my mind was a mess. And that's probably why I take this stuff so seriously because I know the impact uh, it has when it's implemented as well as I know firsthand what happens when you don't have that stuff. Yeah. So, so that's it, guys. Thank you, We guys. appreciate it. Hopefully we can give you more, more of these, all right? Um, if you guys liked it, please uh, subscribe or not subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and uh, yep. fill out those free trials if you guys want to try it out. And check out Zach's book. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Boom. See you guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.